When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny View from the Ninian is proudly sponsored by Cardiff Classic Shirts, vintage football and rugby shirts sold and bought with cash paid. Downstairs, inside the pumping station Antiques House on Penarth Road, 11 till 3, Wednesdays to Sunday, excluding Cardiff City match days. My favourite vintage shirts come from Cardiff Classic Shirts. He's always got the best supply at the best prices. That's Cardiff Classic Shirts, 11 till 3, in the pumping station Antiques House on Penarth Road, Wednesday to Sundays, excluding Cardiff City match days. Welcome back to a joyous view from the Ninian as we're celebrating the seven-side Derby Day delight with a 1-0 win over Bristol City. That's the double for Errol Buller in the seven-side Derby this season. Um, joining me as always... Ben Price, Tom Phillips. Ben, did you like yesterday? I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, it's not a secret, my hatred of that club. So, yeah, I was very happy. And I've been singing just anti-Bristol songs all day to the point where my wife threw something at me today. So, yeah. Why did she, did she like Bristol? No, she, it was, she was just doing her head in. Ah, understandable. So many, so many times I can sing, I can ride a tractor before she got annoyed. Yeah, I, I, I've had to stop singing that song. Um, Tom, I think you've had to stop singing that song as well, haven't you? I haven't stopped. Um, I will not be stopped, actually. Um, if anything, I'll be opening windows. I'll be trying to get people to join in in the street. Banging saucepans. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be like the NHS clap all over again, but just slagging off Wurzels. Um, no, I, I've been having a great time since yesterday, fair play. I do think, and before we get into the game, I do think that chant is one of the most puerile and funny chants we've got, really. There's something so precise about it and also so perfect in like its intonation and tone. You know, not to get all um, academic about a chant, but that's how I feel about it. I just think it's needlessly childish. It's just so, just the end of it is just perfect. Just I'm a fucking up. wanker. Uh, I also like just they, does your tractor know you're here? That was quite good. <laughs> Didn't enjoy that one, yeah. Um, anyway, we can talk about the chance. We can talk about the fun we all had in Bristol yesterday, but we should talk about the game. Um, of course, everyone knows it by now, but Cardiff City went to Ashton Gate yesterday and came away victors with a 1-0 win, a deserved 1-0 win, I should add, um, over Bristol City. Uh, that's the double for the season, six points from six in the seven-side derby. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time we did a double. I haven't looked it up yet. I've just got home and we're doing the podcast, so excuse my lack of preparation. It doesn't excuse it every week. Um, ben, let's talk about the team selection. Um, uh, it was bold team selection, wasn't it? Uh, Colwell and Turnbull in. Um, obviously, Riles in the midfield with Siopis as well. Um, Bowler on the left uh, behind a Tete. I'd, you know, I expected us to play Turnbull at some point, but maybe not alongside Colwell. It, it was a very attacking kind of starting lineup, wasn't it? It was, but it was attacking a different way. Sort of I was really surprised by seeing that lineup. Like everyone gets a bit disappointed when you see Grant's not in the lineup 
But to get around that, it wasn't the sort of I didn't expect to see Turnbull to come in to replace Grant is sort of my main thing from that. Yeah. It was a bit of a surprising choice, but it worked. It really worked. I was really impressed with how it sort of the whole system sort of came together. Yeah, Tom, I think, you know, what watching the game at the ground yesterday, there was a few teething problems. I think we've pointed out here that in the first half, Cole was potentially taking up the wrong positions because he's maybe not used to being a winger. But overall, I think Turnbull was very effective. Cole got more and more into the game as it went on. Um, you know, Bowler maybe not as effective as he could have been, but still had his moments in the first half. It was a, a midfield three that really caused some problems, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of. It was it was solid. I wouldn't say it caused problems. It was almost Did like attacking on... Yes, but it wasn't the midfield three that caused those problems, was it? It was another set piece. But like, I Dye think Turnbull st- Dye Turnbull took the corner. All right, let me do my point. Um, <laughs> like it was when it was attacking on paper, but not on grass, was effectively that team. It felt like we still created very little, I thought, but we were solid. We didn't really put a foot wrong in that first half, even if we didn't create that much. And I think mm-hmm. that was the most promising thing because there's been games this year where we've been shambolic. And we weren't shambolic. We were organised. It was a clear system. Yes, there were a few teething issues. And we grew into the game as it went along. But we never looked, you know, like we were under any sort of pressure or they were going to cause us too many problems. So I think on on a whole, it worked out as a system. But we still lack a little bit of attacking threat going forward. But I'll take that at the moment. Um, Ben, we could talk about the first half, but I think your tweet summed it up. Um, That's 46 minutes that we're, we're never going to get back. Um, it was a very cagey first half, I think, is 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 the polite way of putting it. Um, the only thing that really happened was I think Bristol had one shot that Horvath saved. They had a claim for a penalty that absolutely wasn't a penalty. But it was all about being solid in that first half, wasn't it? And not conceding the early ground. Yeah, I think that was really important for us. We've conceded some silly goals in the past early on in the first half. And we've said for a while that if we go goal behind, we never look like we're capable of winning the game. Yeah. So... I think as far as away performances go against a team that aren't too, they're not amazing at home, but they've not been too bad. It was really important just like get a feet on the ground, get a feet on the ground, see where we are and sort of suss them out a bit. It was, it felt very much like, you know, those sort of heavyweight boxing fights where sort of the first six rounds and they're just feeling each other out a bit, just sort of small jabs and stuff. It felt very much like that for me. And yeah, it was just, again, like you're saying, like, I think the biggest thing was, their claim for a penalty that would have been a free kick at best anyway. I think that was yeah. a main action that happened. I mean, he, we could see from the back row of the away end that he had dived. So um, I, I think it was the only disappointing thing about that is the referee let him get away with the dive, really, because he should have booked him um, in reality. But less said about that ref, the better. Um, Tom, talking about the second half, obviously, first half, not much to write home about. Second half, it just felt like there was more urgency from the get-go, wasn't there? Um, we were pressing higher up the pitch. I think our shape was really good. Um, when you look at it, you know you can see two banks of three that are really kind of nullifying the way that Bristol were trying to play it out from the back. Um, it, it's good to see, but you know we talk about the first half. Is it frustrating that it takes us 45, 50 minutes to really get going? Yeah, possibly. But like Ben said, I think that first half is about just seeing seeing it through a little bit and making sure we don't concede. And I think we, we were solid. And I think in the second half, we then realised that Bristol were there to get at we could put them under pressure and they weren't going to cope and that's exactly what happened we started you know to cause them to make mistakes and I I thought we were just really effective and I think as an away performance nullifying the home side in the first yeah. half is a great way to go about it you know they've beaten the likes of Southampton recently you know they're not completely shit they've got their moments yes their fans are frustrated they weren't confident going into that game and I think we then jumped on the fact that they 
they were lacking that confidence and that belief wasn't there. We pressed more and more as the game went on. I think we did it effectively. So I think as an away performance goes, it's a great one, especially against, you know, your near neighbours. Um, ben, in that second half, you know, we talked about it already, but Colwell really grew into the game. Turnbull really grew into the game. Um, I think the rise of Colwell this season has been really good in the sense that he's gone from, you know, when he kind of broke onto the scene, those goals against Nottingham Forest, QPR, they were spectacular goals. And that was exciting. But now he's really putting in solid performances every week, isn't he? And he's showing that he can be that player who becomes the water carrier for us in the future. Yeah, and he's also doing like the dirty work, isn't he? he yeah. I think very early on. He, he won some very, very good shot. free kicks yesterday, I should yeah. say. I think he's just become a lot more intelligent. There's still times where, I think there was comments from Bullet a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about Colwell saying that like he needs to be make the better decision at times. Sometimes yeah. it's better to pass or he needs to do things quicker. And I think there were still elements of that yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday when it happened. Um, there was sort of times he blazed over the bar and he could have laid off. There was just a couple of little things that he needs to improve on. But the improvement sort of his all-round play so far this season really has been one of sort of the highlights because he's really looking like a comfortable midfielder now that sort of understands his role in the team as well. I think it's very yeah. much before he's been a luxury player that sort of come in, we're hoping he can have a moment of magic. Now he's really starting to sit, settle in and play different roles and understand those roles. And it's, yeah, a real highlight. And sort of the longer it goes, the better. I think now it's just, like Bullet said, he needs to... It's up production, of, isn't it? Yeah, it's up production. Couple of goals, couple of assists. And it's a really, really good season for him then. Um, Tom, let's talk about the defining moment of the second half. Um, Perry Ng's goal. Um I mean, what what else is there to say? It was a set piece. Uh, Di Turnbull put a lovely cross in and Perry NG just got his head to it. Um, was it good? Was it a really good goal to celebrate? I think it was. I think those are the goals that are the best ones to celebrate. You've got that kind of build-up, oh, there's a corner, not to do the chant, but oh, there <laughs> was a corner. Um, and, you know, you kind of build in that atmosphere and then just to see it roughly, you know, just get in the back of the net like that. It was a great header. It was a, yeah, he did really well to get there. It. It wasn't just like hit his head and go in. He's glanced it. He's made the run. He's got to it. And he used the power of the ball and just put it in the far corner. Exactly. Like it was a great ball in, great little glance and header. And like Liam Manning said in his post-match, like they'd watched that. They knew we were going to do it and we still scored from it. And I think that's the promising thing from that. They can't contain us at set pieces. You know, it's yeah. been the real highlight of our season. You know, what, what's that? Is it sixth goal now for Perry NG? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's going to be an absolute walkover in the awards at the end of the season at the moment. Like he's been unreal, and then on top of the goal, him absolutely nailing that uh, the Bristol player oh. on the touchline as well, and then shouted in his face. Like if you want to get in the, the good books of Cardiff City fans, that is exactly how to do it in a derby game. Just shouting in the face of one of the opposition players is the, the, the best way to do it. But yeah, goal knocking people over and just being a general shit house. I just absolutely love Perry and Gene is growing week by week. Yeah, I'd like to take back um, any criticism I had of him last week about him getting him bogged down in those kind of moments. Um, Perry, <laughs> every week now, I want to see something. I want to see something new, a new take on shithousery. Um, we'll talk more about that that uh, moment. I think someone put it in the tweets, so we'll come back to that moment in the tweets. Um, ben, you know, Bristol City have enjoyed putting a few videos on their social channels in recent years of Joe Williams singing um, Cardiff Get Battered Everywhere We Go. Um, how satisfying was it that he was the man who was meant to be marking Perry NG? And there is a photo of him after the goal on the floor and one of the Bristol players is looking at him, blaming him for that moment. It's it's one of those injected in my veins moments, isn't it? 
yeah, that just smug prick just absolutely fell flat on his ass. And yeah, I'm all for it. Is it Schadenfreude? Is it? So, I believe that's the the German word for uh, enjoyment in other people's misery. Yes, and Schadenfreude me up, baby, because I was all over that. <laughs> Maybe you could say that Joe Williams is a Schadenfreude. Huh. Um, yeah, all right. Ben kind of went for it. Tom, not so much. Not yeah, so I winced. <laughs> yeah, winced. Um, uh, quite often, people wince when I talk. Um, Tom, it, again, coming back to the kind of what the, the building blocks of that performance, I think we, we have to give a shout out to um, Ethan Horvath and the defence again. Um, Gutas and, and Phillips feels like they've been playing together forever. Um, it was great to see Wilson Esbrand again put in a good performance. I think Collins came on and did okay. We've already talked about NG. Um, how good was all that Horvath yesterday? He made a really good save early on. He was solid off every cross. His kicking was good. We could talk about the save that led to their dis- disallowed goal shortly, but he's already showing that he could potentially be our long-term number one, isn't he? Yeah, he feels like he's you know he's got all of that shirt now. There's not going to be any back and forth anymore. Um, the confidence is going in. Off him with those arms. Yeah, and he tucks yeah. it in as well, so it'd be quite hard. Um, so yeah, all round quite hard to take it off him, but. No, he's just solid and you can see the defence trust him as well. And I just love the USA chant. It's so pathetic yeah. as a chant. Like, you don't do that to any other player's country. But We're not chanting Singapore at Perry and Chi. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just bonkers. And some fans will have other teams especially going, what the fuck are they up to? But it's just funny. It's a hangover from the Eddie Johnson years, isn't it? But like, it, it's just, I love doing it. And I don't really like the USA as a country, but I like Ethan Horvath, so it's fine. <laughs> but um, no, it's good to see how solid he is. Nat Phillips as well has been an absolute revelation since he's come yeah. into the back. Like even in the Norwich game where we should have been battered by 80, somehow looked quite like he played a decent game. He cleared one off the line. He's been a real, real like game changer for us in recent weeks. And I thought we defended well from the front as well. I think Atete got a bit of a battering in the in the ratings on Wales Online. I thought that was really unfair. And I think it's unfair. I thought, like, I thought he did well. He, he got himself into some really good defensive positions as well, like yeah. tracking back, cleared a couple in the Made box. Made a couple of good tackles. And he put himself about. And I thought that, he, you know, he caused their defenders. He, he, just, he was something else to think about. I think if you're looking at someone who was underperforming, someone like Bowler, I think we were on about it in the stands where, you know, he's lacking, running into getting round players and making the runs he should have. So I think if you were going to be angry at anyone, it'd be Bowler. I thought Atete yeah. did exactly what he was there to do. So I feel he's been unfortunate. But I think defensively, across the pitch, we defended well from the front to the back. And the players who came on then, the likes of Wintle and Mayday, just really shored it up and put themselves about. I thought defensively as a performance, I thought we were great across the park. I thought yeah, Mayday, when he came on, was yeah. did that role spawn, did exactly yeah. what he needed to and sort of was a really good sub. Because I was a bit concerned. You saw Teddy going off injured. I was like, oh, bollocks. It's going to be Daydu, and I'm not convinced. I don't think so far his performance has been very underwhelming. And I think it's pretty telling that Mate came on instead of him, to be honest, especially at Bristol City. You think you might give him a go there, but um, yeah, Mate came on, did really, really well, especially after the last time we saw him. He skied over the bar and pulled his calf. He uh, redeemed himself massively there. I was going to say about Phillips yesterday, there was... um there's just moments where you see that he's obviously been raised in a really good footballing environment. There's defensive headers he makes where instead of just heading it straight out, 
he finds a gap where there's no players and glances it away, which eats up precious time or, or finds space where there are no players to run on. And that's the kind of composure that we don't often see in defenders at this level. It's often just get rid of it and get rid of it as far as you can. But he's finding space and finding ways to neutralise the game that other players do. And I think that's really important, especially when you've got Kutas alongside him, who at times is a bit more agricultural when he's clearing the ball, but very good on the ball when he has to play, has to be. And he put in some great tackles again yesterday. Um, ben, let's talk about another really nice moment in that second half. It was their disallowed goal. Um, you know, it was a great, great flick on by their, their player that Horvath pushed away, which was a great save by Horvath. The guy's two or three yards offside. I think I could, I thought I could see it in the stands and look straight to the linesman, but it was really satisfying, wasn't it? To see their fans, they went mental for about 45 seconds without realising what had happened. Um, it was a really nice cherry on the cake, wasn't it, Ben? It did add to it. There's nothing funnier. It's sort of similar to those goals when it ripples the side net in and yeah. that crowd thinks you've scored. It's just At least they stopped moments. quickly. With those, the Bristol fans were going on for they ages. They went for it. And I think what I really enjoyed as well was sort of um, like credit to it, the away end, like that sounded mental the whole game. And I think the cheer seeing that the goal was disallowed and given that way was louder than any noise that Bristol City made for yeah. that goal. I think the level of shithousery, not just from Perry and G, but from the Cardiff fans in general yesterday was top tier and needs to be applauded because, yeah, that way was famously good, I think. It's one of the best, I think, City fans have ever done. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the, the, the fan village in the away end uh, towards the end of this section. Um, what I will say about the away end, what sums it up really, is that I, I, I spoke to a lad who I, I've seen at the last couple of games. I saw him in the stands for approximately four minutes um, throughout the whole game. Um, the rest of the time, I think he was in the bar. I bumped into him in the toilet. He's like, where you sat? I was like, oh, I was just behind you. I know where you're sat. You're sat in the row before me. And he said, I'll come and speak to you in a minute. And I never saw him. Um, so shout out the ginger lad who thinks I look like Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I've seen him at the last couple of games and he's a really nice boy. Um, Tom, I think, you know, we, we we spotted it during the game. Their fans were leaving from sort of 81, 82 minutes, like streaming out person by person. Um, by the end of the game, it was more red empty seats than there were actual people in there. When their players are doing the applause down the far end of the pitch, um, their fans were giving it some. They were running down the front and going, boo, fuck off, all that kind of caper. How nice is it to see other teams in Derby Meltdown for once? Oh, it is nice. Um, I remember looking at my uh, looking at my watch when they started streaming out. It was actually the seventy sixth minute. Seventy sixth. Well, I gave I gave them too much credit. I'm sorry. It was it was early, really, really early. But like between them streaming out and that section of the home fans, where they I don't think they watched any of the game. They just no, watched they the away end. But I don't blame them because I'd rather watch us than watch the football that Bristol City play. So fair play to them. But like. It was an odd, odd home end all round. You could see that they were a club who, uh, you know, anger was bubbling. There was no confidence going into the game. They were looking for an excuse to lose their head. And looking at Twitter after the game as well, they really don't think Liam Mann is the man for the job. Um, and it I is great to look. job. <laughs> I think it's funny though because like going into that game, we're on the same amount of points. And look, we we we've haven't exactly been thrilled with Bullet as a fan base, I'd say, over the last few weeks. But it's amazing how three results in a row can kind of change that. You know, We're now unbeaten in three, we're back-to-back wins, and the tide has turned, and it's now Bristol who are going into absolute meltdown. And th- I don't think there's a better club for it. I'd I- I love to see Bristol go into meltdown more than anyone else. I, I don't There's something about that. Uh, th- there's an arrogance to Bristol well, City, but the team have won fuck all. It? 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he was. You know, what was it? Uh, Lee Johnson's comments about a Premier League team in training. You know, they've had a couple of good games in against people like Man City in the FA Cup that people were like, oh, they were good against Man City, but they haven't done anything. They, they, I can't remember the last time they were really in the playoffs or pushing for promotion from the Championship, bar going back to when they got to the final against Hull. That's the last they, time they were in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's I'm ago. so glad you boys bought us because I was thinking about it today. Like I've said before, like there's a begrudging respect for what Swansea have achieved. I don't like them, but there is that little bit of respect because like they've done stuff. Like Bristol in their history, they've done fuck all. And it's just... Yeah the level of entitlement from their fans and just like, like you said, that Lee Johnson comment always comes back to bite them on the ass. But you see like the Man City games and the Man United games, are oh, we proved we belong? You don't. You don't belong yeah, you where don't. you've never been. It's just, yeah, I really, really don't like them. And I agree, Tom, like just seeing them in meltdown is just, it's one of football's beautiful sights to me. Sort of, you've got sort of Wimbledon players pinging footballs at MK Don fans during the warm up. That was funny. So that was very funny. But then, sort of, second highlight for me this weekend was, you know, the social media clips of Bristol City fans in absolute meltdown. Because I te- like after the South Wales derby, I tend not to watch like the Swansea fans because I can't be asked. But I really, really enjoyed this. And like today, just just going through Twitter and just looking at all the random ones, really had a lot of fun just watching these videos, just laughing. Um. I didn't know this, but Bristol City have uh, won the Welsh Cup. They won mm. it in 1933. And who did they beat? Uh, 1934, sorry. Who do you think they beat in the final, Tom? Hereford. Ben? If you're asking Tom first, I'm going to go with Carmarthen. Uh, Tranmere Rovers. They beat Tranmere I Rovers. Knew, I knew it would be an English club. The semi-finalists that year were Bangor, Tranmere, Port Vale and Bristol. How does Port Vale get in there? Um, Invites it. The kid of Instone stuff I played, and just it's bonkers. You look back at yeah. the teams you played in the Welsh Cup. I just didn't know that. Um, they haven't won it like in loads, have they? No, they oh, haven't, as we have famously saying. They've only won it once. That's less than loads. Um, ben, famously. it was famously, it was quite nice to see. You know, we talked about Bowler. I, I saw Bowler wasn't bad. They were just, he looked a little bit lost of confidence again, but you know, I think Bowler's completely a confidence player. Um, but apart from that, it, it really wasn't a bad performance on the pitch, was there? I think Tanner came on and did a job when he had to come on for, for late, and that was really nice considering everything that happened during the week, and it was clearly good for him to come on. I thought when Winslow came on, Winslow gets a lot of stick, but again, he led the press. There were times that he was the most um, the most advanced player on the pitch because he's rushing out to harry the Bristol players. Uh, it was a proper team performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I think everyone dug in really well. I think... My biggest criticism, my, well, my only criticism is I felt like we sat a bit deep towards the end and sort of invited. We do pressure. do that, yeah. And that seems to happen a lot. It's been sort of like a trait of sort of we've had when we're trying to see games that we try and, and a little bit too early on as well. I yeah. feel like we go deep sort of with 15 minutes to go. And it's like, Christ, this is a long 15 minutes, this lads. But um, yeah, everyone looked really solid. It was quite comfortable. They never really had a clear chance other than the goal that was disallowed. It was just quite a comfortable all like I said all round solid performance um, I think the management of Tanner this week has been brilliant yeah uh, there's a lot of people sort of questioning Bullets sort of saying by taking him out of the first team setup and stuff but bringing him in for the game I think that's really good like it's you've done this but you've worked hard proved your worth you're straight back in it's um, really important we spoke about it last week about sort of it's good management sort of if he's not up to standards but it's also important then if a player sort of upped it and had that kick up the arse and it's worked to get straight back in there. And yeah, it was great to come on. 
we've seen Bullock do that a couple of times this season now, haven't we? He did it with Callum Robinson earlier in the season. He did it with Ruben Colwell and now he's done it with Oli Tanner. I think people question him because it's not something we've seen. You know, we saw Steve Morrison criticise players openly, but this is different because he's just being honest about the situation with players. Yeah. And they're responding to it. If, I mean, you saw at the end of the game, you know, the, the, the players celebrating with Bullet at the end of the game and how they respond to him. There's clearly a lot of affection there and a lot of trust. So I think when he says something like that, you know, as fans are allowed to criticise, but I think we have to believe in what Bullet's doing to some to, to that extent because he, he's done it a couple of times already this season. Yeah, I think it's the same goes. Yeah. Like, there's been a lot of people criticising him for like his handling of players like Colwell and uh, Ashford. But he's come out and said, look, when the time's right, they'll get their yeah. chance. If, if it comes to the end of the season and they're constantly on the bench and they've not had get minutes, then I think it's a fair criticism. But out of the game sort of so far, there hasn't I haven't seen a clear opportunity where, where I've looked at and gone, oh, that'd have been a really good time to bring a youth player on. There hasn't really been that moment yet, but there will be sort of yeah. you look at the table now, fifth was it forty seven points are on? I think yeah. I, think, I don't think it's going overboard to say I think we're probably safe looking at the teams in and around it. Um, I think now you get a couple more points sort of look, see if you can get top half and if that fades away, then you start giving them very regular minutes. But Bullets knows what he's doing. It's not just a case of having to bring people through. You've got to manage them in the right way. And so far, I, there's a lot of differences with the way he sort of handled a lot of people and the way someone like, well, you saw what Steve Morrison did with the press and the weird stuff going on there. Sort of, there's different levels of management. They're not the same thing, even though this they might be similar scenarios. They've been handled very, very differently. I think the Tom, important thing about the yeah, I think the important thing about the Tanner thing is the fact he did bring him on. Yeah. I think if you slate him and then completely leave him out, it's a different type of message. I think you give him that rocket and you you immediately bring him back into a fold in a derby game like that. And he's proved himself in a derby game before. I think that's the perfect way to manage it. And I think that's the difference between him. Like the maturity of Arrow Bullet and Morrison. Morrison is shouting for the sake of shouting, thinking he's putting a message across, but there's no tactic to it whatsoever. Yeah. It's just blanket abuse. Where with this, this thought, this process, and then you can see then with the way that Tanner was with the coaching staff at the end of the game, the respect is there, like you said, and it's it's just, it's the perfect way to handle that situation. They're um, closing out the game. There was a really nice moment at the end of the game where Di Turnbull um, he carried the ball quite a long way, Tom. Uh, got about 30 yards from goal, realised he was knackered and probably would have to get back to the halfway line to defend. So just booted it out of play. <laughs> yeah, that's that one approach. Tough. Yeah, <laughs> that's one approach. Um, the other approach, though, was Odalda, I think, which we haven't mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah we haven't mentioned that. Yeah, bring it up. And, and I think we were on about, like, um, you know, seeing out games and sitting too deep. That is someone who was seeing out the game properly. Got the ball out wide, beat a man, invited a foul and wasted yeah. about a minute and a half. Yeah. And that's the composure we've lacked in games this year. And that's what we've been missing from Callum O'Dowder. So I don't think we can underestimate the effect of having him back in the fold for the, the end of this campaign. You know, it could be massive for us because that there is an intelligent footballer. And at times we've missed that now. So I'm really, really excited to see him back and to see him celebrating like that in front I, of the Bristol I fans. Saying, I, really, I really respected the fact that he didn't hold back and was celebrating, you know, we, we were sending all games, he left you because you're shit and all that, and it looked like he really enjoyed it at the end. Because I don't think it ended well for him at Bristol, and the fans didn't really rate him too much, but for him to be giving it the fist pumps and all that at the end of the game was lovely to see. And I can't wait to get back to They him on Twitter, didn't they? They were like sick notes sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, they were proper rancid to him for someone that sort of gave a lot of good service to him. So, I'd be the same. i all for that. You've got to do it, especially like a derby like that. 
Um, Tom, one thing we haven't talked about um, was the uh, well, what, what can I say? The fated fan village um, at the at the Ashton Gate um, Arena. I'm going to call it Arena. Um, you know, I think as away fans, you often get um, kind of shunted to a, a pub ten miles out away from the ground, or I don't know. Um, you don't really get served alcohol during the game, but Bristol City fair play served us alcohol in the fan village. Um, what was your review of the fan village, Tom? I've got some thoughts. Um, I thought if I'd seen a Willy Wonka experience there, it probably would have done justice. Um, <laughs> but the fan, the fan village, Tom, ten out of ten from you. Yeah, you know, location-wise, couldn't have been better, you know, yeah. immediately outside the ground. But when, you know, quite a deep philosophical question is when does a fan village stop being a fan village and just become a car park? And, a yeah, so, but the, the thing is as well, because they just plonked us in the car park there, which is right next to where the players come in. We didn't even have full access to the fan village. We had half a village, and it just meant that we were right next to the bus of the Bristol City players when they turned up. And inevitably, a can of red stripe get thrown under the windshield. Um, because everyone was just bo- just bottled in, like just in and around this like fence. There were seven-year-old mascots being called wankers. They, yeah. you know, it it was it was yeah, scenes. But you know, and if someone asked what were you up to on Saturday, I was drinking a Thatcher's Haze and the pissing down rain in a car park at 10 15 a.m. <laughs> you know, uh, for anyone else, trying to, trying to stand under quite... the only the slither of shelter they had by the ground. Yeah, for most people, that's a cry for help. Perhaps it still is. I don't know. But, it, it, you know, it's the fan village experience lacked, to say the least. But that's what happens when you don't... You know, at first and say, oh, you know, fan village outside the ground. It's like, oh, fair play. They didn't have to do that. But what did and you... They didn't have just to do that. A, no. Just give, <laughs> us a, just give us a pub. I'm pitching like proper Phoenix Knights sort of vibe with it. It's more like a fan hamlet. I think is the best way to call it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, maybe even um, I don't know what's smaller than a hamlet. <laughs> Can oh, you get smaller than a hamlet? No, not really. It, it was just like, yeah, and you know, it was by the media center. It was by the the, the Guinness bar, I believe it was called. Um, it was reasonably priced. Um, they, they serviced their pints in plastic glasses, um, but yeah, it it was very much. It, it felt like the Willy Wonka experience um, that had been in Glasgow. You know, welcome to the glorious fan village. And then it was just the, the unknown was there hiding behind a mirror going, oh my God, it's the unknown. Um, but it was nice that they gave us something, Tom, or are you not even giving them credit for that? There's no toilets. There, there were no toilets, actually. Yeah, that's true. That's weird. It's, it's an hour and a half in a car park serving alcohol with no toilets. It, it's a just it just there was no planning like the bar itself was fine and they even kept it open after the game which they didn't have to do yeah you know, that was nice so like it's like the thought well the thought was at the beginning the idea was there but the execution is lacking to say the least but I suppose the, the only way it could have been worse is if they didn't service anything and we had to just stand in a car park with no booze but yeah. I don't know yeah I think what, what? A, a little bit of thought needs to go into it going forward what I will say is that it was one of the most mental concourses I've seen in a long time. Um, I, I I got into the ground after you guys because I had to um, give someone else their ticket. Um, and by the time I got in, you were stood as far away from the entrance as possible. Um, so I had to fight through all the Cardiff fans. Yeah, it, uh, thank you. All the Cardiff fans getting there. I saw someone being sick in a bin and everyone cheering that. Um, <laughs> I saw you know, copious amounts of beers being thrown in the air. People being lifted over people. I saw Tommy Raffle. Um, you had a photo with Tom? 
I did. That was the... Well, I didn't ask for the photo because I don't like doing that. But I was I'm more than happy to join in once the photo had been asked for. I want to make that clear. Yeah, Tommy Reffle on his day off, having a few pints in the away end. Uh, it was the classic way end, really. Um, uh, ben, do you have any, any final words on the Bristol meltdowns before we move on to Twitter? Uh, just drink it in. Just enjoy it. Just everyone just sort of take time out of their day. Like Monday's coming up. You'll be listening to us on Monday. Um, work's going a bit crap. Just find a video of a meltdown and just enjoy it. That'll make you feel better. Just remember, you might be in work, but you're not a Bristol City fan in work. So Exactly. That is a fair point. Um, let's move on to Twitter now. Um, there are less meltdowns on Twitter for us, um, which is nice. It's all positive. So... Uh, first question, Ben, is uh, from Ryan March, a friend of the pod. He says, are we on the beach? No, he might be at this time, though. He is. He's flying to California. Yeah, so enjoy that, mate. But um, no, I don't think it's quite yet there yet, is it? A couple more wins, sort of see the derby out. And yeah, poss- a derby win might put us on the beach quite early, actually. I think if one more win there and it could be pina coladas all round. Uh, Bluebirds passed he says we look like a proper team again all working together digging in and nicking a goal in a derby game away from home in poor conditions even when the subs came on the performance didn't drop a performance to be proud of uh, Tom John TM Williams says what did you guys feel when the Wurzel bounced off Perry one of the season's moments for me um, in that moment I felt aroused I felt excited I felt proud what about you Tom pride less arousal um, from me but perhaps I'm in the wrong there. I don't know. But um, I think I've watched that more than I've watched the goal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny. I think, I think the most satisfying part about it was is the Bristol guy goes hell for leather on him. And Perry yeah. isn't, Perry's not even really braced. But no. he's so solid that the guy just bounces off him. Just solid. He's just solid. And he knows that he's gone hell for leather into him by the shouting at him at the end. It's yeah. just it's a it's a lovely piece of footage, and it could it's, end up being one of the highlights of the season for sure. It's the pinpoint but, layoff. He, he gets the pass away, yeah. then goes down to fuck off. That's what I <laughs> yeah. really like. Yeah. I think that's the best bit about it. It's let me just play this lovely ball down the wing, and then I'm going to give you some shit. Um, Frisbee thirteen says Callum Robertson, his Cardiff career seems in danger of deflating towards an exit. How could he be best influenced the remainder of the season, Ben? I think he should probably stay out of the team. What do you think? I don't see any place for him right now. Um, injuries might mean he comes back in and everyone loves a redemption arc, but right now I'm not rushing to put him in that team. Um, he's had some chances this year and it's just not worked. Um, I think in the summer, a mutual part of the ways is probably the best wait for it, best thing for him and for us, to be honest. Tom, Yain Blackmore says, was yesterday the best away support of the season so far? I didn't hear a bad word said about the players or game, just flat out support. Didn't have any go, any go, didn't have a go at any old men yesterday about their negativity? No, there was no, well, well we we're in the back row, so there was no one behind me to have a go at this time. Um, tactical. But no, it, it was a really positive away end. Um, I think sometimes when you're, we're looking to be more positive about the performance. It helps when you start fairly well against like a rival like that. And it kind of builds from there. But I think the away end was more kind of in tune to like abusing the home fans than our own players, which was quite nice. We all had that common enemy. But no, it was a great, great atmosphere in the in the Cardiff away end. I think it's the best one we've had this season by a long, long way. It was it was really, really fun from start to finish. Um 
AE says NG on a 10-year contract, please. Gareth Dunning, Cardiff love a simple chance, so USA, USA, every opportunity at least gives us a new song. I walked past my son's bedroom earlier and he was chanting it at full voice. I'm all for more. And the magic hat is back. Uh, MJCCFC, the main January additions, really shone yesterday and showed the upgrade they are on what we have. All 11 players on the pitch look comfortable and confident on the ball. And regardless of the end possession stat, it was just a lot better to watch. Something to build on for next season. Um, Mike says, I've never seen a home crowd so triggered by an away end. We had that one corner of the ground on strings. To the point, um, Ben, I'm not sure if you saw this on TV, but two Bristol fans actually came down from the back of the stand to try and get at the the Cardiff fans in the um, away end, but did it so slowly that as they kind of climbed over the first fence, the police just kind of went, come on, out the ground with you, and just led them away out the ground. So, you know, (laughs) I don't think they entered the pitch per se, but they kind of got past the cordon a little bit and were just led immediately out the ground. So, yeah, it was like, thanks for trying, uh, but see you later. Um, Max Robertson uh, but one for you Ben first I'll come to you Tom plucky eighth or spectacular sixth so glad we backed Bullet through a tough schedule just hope he proves everyone wrong Ben is that too optimistic uh, yeah I don't I. it's not just top off top off and don't lose any of the derbies just that's, that is the aim for the season now I think that's a great season if that happens Tom as the, the man who's kind of put plucky eighth into the vernacular um I went a little bit excitable this morning and looked at our like running and went, that's not too bad. You know, we've got like <laughs> Ip, Ip, we've got like Ipswich and Southampton at home. And and you know, we haven't got to play Leicester, we haven't got to play Leeds again. And I was like, you know, everyone else, you know, we can get something at home against those and the the others are beatable. So I went to have a look at the odds for playoffs and it was a hundred to one. I was like, okay, maybe I should shut the fuck up. Do you put um, a bit on it? No, not yet. Yet being the um, but no, I think I think Ben's right. I think we've got to aim for staying in and around where we are now, around 11th, 11th, 10th. That area of the table is a massive success compared to last season. Plucky 8th is definitely not out of the realms of possibility, but that gap to 6th is, uh, I think, a little bit too far. But in terms of being on the beach, in terms of relegation, there's so many teams bunched up below us now. I think we can start to get a bit more comfortable because it doesn't feel like there's too many teams there for us to be worse than, for us to drop back in the mix. And I think that kind of pressure being relieved off us, going into the derby in a few weeks as well, will be ideal. Because um, we've got a cushion there that, you know, those it shows how important the last three games were. You know, a draw and two wins and suddenly we're well out of it. If we'd lost those three games, we would be in shit street. Because I think five of the bottom eight or something won this weekend. Yeah, it was pretty nuts yesterday. I'd hardly anyone won towards Q- the top Q- of the league. QPR beat Leicester. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I think it's going to get really tasty down the bottom of the table and I'm really relieved that we're not involved in it. Um, Rodri says, Nat Phillips on a perm next season. Um, cross fingers. Uh, Pep, what a performance from the away fans yesterday. All sorts of shapes when NG scored and celebrations when their equaliser was flagged offside. Nat Phillips, what a signing he's proven to be. Haven't missed McGuinness at all. Um, Harry Dickens, what was your favourite moment in the game? Even with the Bristol goal, I don't see anything topping the Bristol player trying and failing to body check Perry before re- receiving a stern telling off while he was on the floor. Uh, ben, I mean, we've talked about it, but let's have one more conversation about that moment. It's going to go down as one of those moments of the season, isn't it, for, for the fans? Like, yes, goals and all that kind of stuff, but that moment just encapsulates Perry in a nutshell. Yeah, I think... I can't think of a player that's had as many moments as Perry over the last few years. I think just everything, like you, a lot of them against Bristol City, sort of him going in goal and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, him going in goals. But yeah, just that moment is just, 
it's the bounce and it? it's just the way he just pings off him like he goes to do Perry and he bounces off he must feel like such a twat because <laughs> yeah. it's just beautiful and the fact that the clip is doing the rounds even more like yeah he's going to be getting some stick from his own players for that uh Jamie Reese says does Ben want to sell his retro cro- uh, coat um no but if you make me an offer I might be um I might consider it um it's a very warm coat. It was very good yesterday in the rain, wasn't it, Tom? My coat. Yeah, there's no way you're selling that. Go on, Ben. What do you say? There's a keeper's got top. You're trying to crowdfund, aren't there? Yeah, there is a keeper top. I'm trying to crowdfund. Um, you know, I, it's too much deal money. There. Too much money. Uh, Oliver Reese said, "I said it on a pod a few weeks back that the outburst from the fans was an overreaction. Funny what seven points from nine does for confidence. Outstanding performance yesterday. One of the best away ends in a long time. Plucky eighth in our sights." Giggsy says, going off last week's pod and NG shoves, the first couple of minutes he put a nice little reminder into Sykes. After that, he did next to nothing. A shithousing NG is just what we'd like to see. Three wins against them now. Bluebird Legend says, talk about the limbs. G usually stand at the back of the on away days. Tom, we kind of stand everywhere, but it felt sensible to stand at the back because the middle of the crowd was so packed in. Um, we could talk about limbs, but what happened to your AirPods when we celebrated <laughs> the goal? Yeah, so they were in my pocket and I didn't zip them up because I was putting my hands in there. And I went mental, arms all over the place. I didn't, no- I didn't notice that my AirPods had flown out of my pocket over a woman's head in front of me, landed, headphones gone everywhere, and there was a young girl who was on the floor kindly crawling between limbs to pick them up for me. So, yeah, I, I didn't even notice they come out of my pocket. So thank you very much to whoever that was who helped me find them because, I, yeah, I would not have noticed. The um, the lady, the kind lady, turned and said they just all she saw was them fly over her head. Um, so that was spectacular. But the limbs were amazing. I think there was a you can kind of see. I put put a photo on our Twitter page. You can kind of go back and see it. But there's just a crater where people have gone over rows, over rows, and over rows. I saw one lad checking the back of his head because he thought he'd cut it. I saw another lad look like he'd almost been knocked out because his eyes were all over the place. And I wonder if he got a concussion. It was one of those like. You know, I don't think, I think there is sometimes performative limbs, but I think that was proper limbs where people just went everywhere and it was lovely to see. Uh, And I'll leave the last word on Twitter to Brandon Arthur, who simply says, USA. Uh, Thanks for all your tweets, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. You can get involved on there. I mean, positive pod so far. We're 40 minutes in. Um, I feel like we can talk about the Bristol game forever. But Ben, you know, we can kind of touch upon the state of play um, as things stand at the moment. We've kind of talked about it already, but nine off relegation, nine off the playoffs, you know, with the, re- the relegation tightening up at the bottom, feels like we're slightly out of trouble there. All of a sudden, playoffs are back in our sights. But the league is just opening up, isn't it? Even at the top with, you know, Leicester all of a sudden have gone from being, I don't know how many points clear they were at the start of the season, but it felt insurmountable. Now, all of a sudden, they're only three points clear. The whole league is really open, isn't it? Yeah, it's suddenly become a lot more interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. that three like Leicester losing three on the bounce against teams that you really Absolutely. wouldn't have expected them to lose to as well. It's um yeah, everything's just getting a little bit tasty, everything's just simmering now properly. Um I was a bit worried, you sort of look at it sort of like November time, looking at Ipswich and Leicester clear at the top. The playoffs just it felt like it was felt like it was gonna be a very, very predictable season. I think like it looked at the relegation zone, I was like, our oh, QPR are gone. Uh Huddersfield are gone. It's it's one of those you sort of you thought the three going down were done, two automatics were done, and probably three out of the four playoffs were sort of nailed on already. 
it felt like everyone would be fighting for that one last place. Suddenly, everything's very open. And yeah. um, I'm all for it because that's when the championship's at its best. Because if every team's under pressure, it just goes mental. I, you know, Tom, we kind of discussed it yesterday, but we're, we're, we're 11th. I think everyone will be happy with a mid-table finish with some kind of positivity going into next season for someone to build on. But when you look at the teams above us, it's a miracle that people like Preston and Sunderland are still in there, bearing in mind how bad they have been recently. You know, Preston, have, I think, at one point, they've only won two out of 18 games, whatever, yet they're still in eighth and still only three points off the playoffs. They might have picked up a few results recently. Win nine points off the playoffs. Obviously, that's a bigger gap. It feels like it might be too much with only um, 10, 11 games left of the season. But the championship is the championship. And if we win three or four more games over the next sort of five or six, it, it could be an outside chance of the playoffs, right? You say 100 to one, but it could happen. Yeah, it's an outside chance. But like the results over the last few weeks have been bonkers. Like there's teams down the bottom who've won two or three games on the bounce and haven't pulled anywhere further away from the relegation zone. Because mm-hmm. everyone around them is winning. So if they keep beating the teams in and around that playoff picture, it's going to do us a favour. So there's going to be some twists and turns towards the end of the season. I don't think it'll be us, but it, it's just a bonkers league. And like, it's getting interesting at the top, but it's still that bank of four. So there's people yeah. losing points to those teams week in, week out, apart from the last couple against Leicester. But like, so it, it could get messy. Like, But it's great to see the likes of like Stoke in and around that relegation mix because they've been flirting with the relegation zone for so long and it feels like they've been properly dragged into it. And But like even Birmingham, who are up in like sixth when they sacked their manager earlier in the season, are right down there now. There's going to be some real big shocks towards the end of the season. And I think where we are, we might be one of the safest people to be away from it. Like if we're, if we're not in the playoffs, fine. And like you said, we need to be positive now going into next season. So let's get some positive results. And, you know, just build. And so when we go into next season, there's a bit of hope there. And not just hope, expectation as well. But we, you know, Ben, we talked about predictions um, over the last couple of weeks and looking at people like Middlesbrough, who we all put towards the top of the league. All of a sudden, Middlesbrough are only six points off the relegation zone. I don't think they'll go down. But Watford, who were start the season quite well under Ishmael and gave him a new contract, they're only six points off the relegation places. And they're in 12th. Yeah. Like... It's you look at the you look at twelve downwards. Yes, you could probably say Watford, Bristol, Middlesbrough on forty four are probably just out of reach. But Swansea on forty two, maybe slightly out of reach. But then Plymouth in sixteenth, down to twenty second. Stoke, there are two points in it. It could be a relegation battle for the ages, couldn't it, Ben? It could. And it, but as you say, it's it's six points. Yeah, of and course like, it is. I just I just think it's so tight that you have to yeah, draw the line six somewhere. points with teams like Sheffield Wednesday won three on the bounce, yeah. and they're mm. still. Uh, second from bottom it's sort of showing that sort of level of just how crazy this is getting I think I'm just looking at the form like you've got Millwall have won two on the bounce QPR won three on the bounce Huddersfield won and drawn their last two Stoke won it on the weekend it's yeah it's so I think feel like the playoffs like they'll get further away and sort of that sort of thin out to sort of probably I think seventh or eighth, I think like eighth upwards will sort of play for that playoff thing and then the rest will be mid-table. But I yeah. generally don't think it's wild to say from 12 down, they're all in a relegation battle. It's mental. I don't. I can't remember a year it's been that close at the bottom. It normally feels like at this point, it's 18th onwards are sort of the ones you're looking at going, right, they're yeah. the ones in the mix for really in trouble. Yeah, for it to be 12th down and some big clubs, like, I think we all had Middlesbrough in the playoffs. I think someone had... 
you had them top, yeah. So and they fought like fourteenth and in a stinking run of form. It's yeah, it's going to be a really really fun few months I think because they've all got to play each other and it's just going to be yeah, it's going to be a fun one to watch and not be involved with. I'd hate to be involved with that, but I'm going to really enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, closer to home, Tom. Uh, you know, Errol's already started talking about plans for next season. Players coming back in the summer and them starting from start. Isaac Davis scored again for Kotrick, um, his sixth goal of the season, I think. You know, is that the first kind of shoots of positivity about him potentially sticking around next year, or are you still not sure really what's going to happen? It's either positivity because I think you said this to me yesterday, I didn't really think about it. Like, there's either confidence there that has happened or, you know, the conversations have been hard behind the scenes and he's going to be the next season or he's, he's kind of just playing the game of, you know, if I speak positively enough, they'll just kind of give it to me at some point, but Mm -hmm. it's great. You know, no one's throwing toys on the pram like they were like mid January. Like it started to go a little bit sour, didn't it? And we were a little bit worried about it, but you know, as a club, we just need some consistency, some continuity. We've been crying out for it for seasons now. Um, And I think, you know, the, the bullet out, Brigade will be a lot quieter in the next couple of weeks if it carries on going in the trajectory it is. Um, I'd love to see him stay, and I hope you're right. I hope that it is shoots of positivity and he is going to be sticking around because we need this as a club because it's been so topsy turvy the last two or three seasons. You know, we just need something like this just to stabilise us. It feels then, like he fits today. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. It's like he feels like he fits in with like the fans, not so much sort of the regime at the top, but like that's part of what's always been the attraction to me with Bullet is it's been that he feels he sort of there's a connection that we've not had with the manager. Like as much as we wanted it, it probably didn't really happen like with Hudson. Like I wanted that connection, sort of that sort of warmth there, but then what never really happened. Morrison never really got going as much as sort of some people tried to make it happen. McCarthy never gave a shit about the fan base one way or the other. And it's, yeah. Was it Neil Harris before that? I'm trying to think now. But Neil Harris never really got a fair crack of the whip because of COVID. You know, yeah. He came in yeah. just before yeah, it all yeah. happened. I think people were largely warming to him and then COVID happened and we never really got... I think that's why we were so quick to be a bit kind of get rid of him because the fans never had a chance to warm to him, really, because because COVID, it was all behind closed doors. You know, Warnock was the one who started all the fist pumping stuff, and it's nice that it's back under bullet. It didn't really happen over the last couple of seasons. One, because we didn't really have many games to win, but I think there was the was it the Barnsley game where Morrison got stuck in, and I think the Middlesbrough game where we really saw it. But then apart from that, we haven't seen it. So it goes a long way. You know, at the end of the game, and it's not just he doesn't just do it, he pushes other players forward to do it as well. And that's Bullet kind of showing you that it's the team as well, which is actually really nice. Um, and I think it goes a long way. So I want him to stick around. I think. You know, we, we've talked about long-termism. We've talked about changing our approach from being short-term managers to whatever else. I think if Bullet's already talking about the summer and bringing people back like Isaac Davis, obviously we've got Sonoda coming as well from Katrik, and he's talking about plans for them and like Eli King as well and giving them the clean slate to come back and potentially impress. That's that's such good thinking. You know, I know it's very basic in terms of people management and, and loan management, but the fact that he's talking about it shows that he's thinking about these things beyond just the next week. And I think that's crucial. And I hope that he can stick around to see those plans come come to fruition. Um, talking about, you know, we've talked about the next few games. Obviously, we've got two games coming up in the next week, Ben. Uh, Huddersfield on Wednesday, uh, Ipswich next Saturday, uh, the Kiefermore Derby. Um, I've got winnable and less winnable. Um, what's your take on these games, Ben? It's a weird one. I sort of, 
before looking at the table, I was sort of thinking, well, it's definitely, we need to get a win against Huddersfield. I think we do, sort of just to get that back-to-back wins at home. I think that's yeah. the next thing, because I can't remember the last time we did that. I think it feels like it's been years since we've really put like a good run together at home. So um, I think that's really important. And against a team like Huddersfield, if we've got a bit of confidence and we're playing with a bit of swagger, hopefully they were, it's winnable. But they're not looking bad. Like they look real. They put up a real fight against Leeds, despite being down to ten men. Like they were mm-hmm. unlucky not to win at the end. I think like Sorbachop Thomas goes through and sort of was unlucky not to get a goal from that sort of that sort of counter attack. So yeah, it's not like you look at them down where they are. You think oh, it's an easy win, but I don't think it's going to be the case. They're looking really. They're looking a decent side. So um, I really don't know. It's sort of one of those. It's classic championship, isn't it? Um. Tom, how happy are you that Jonathan Hogg is suspended for the Huddersfield game? Uh, not because he's any good, mainly because he's a prick. Yeah, I think I'll go into the game a little bit calmer that I don't have to see his face. I really can't stand him. He is a hateful football player. There's there's not many football players I, I loathe, but he, he's close. He's just a vile man. Like, yeah. he, he's just got intent to hurt people. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a difference between hard tackles and, you know, like Perry and Jew's hard in a tackle and, and puts it all into it and just being a vindictive little weasel. And I think that's where he is. You know, there's leading by example and then there's leading by being like just a bully. And that's what he is. So, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to watch him. Um, Tom, would you make any changes for the game from the starting lineup or would you go with the same? I think you'd be tempted to bring Bowler out and maybe like O'Dowder in or something because I think. He just, like you said earlier, he just lacked confidence and he looked a broken man going off the field. He knew nothing mm-hmm. had kind of gone right for him. And there was times in the game where like Perry and G had the ball at his feet and Bowler was behind him rather than making a run down the line and getting into areas that he should have been in. And I think that's a little bit of a worrying sign. Uh, we've seen like shoots of like positivity like around Bowler, you know, with a goal and stuff, but that's all it is. There's no kind of sustained kind of performances from him. So I think, you know, Adalda coming back. I just get him in the squad, but the rest of it, I I'd keep the same for sure. Ben, would you make any changes? Yeah, I think Carlin Grant comes back in. I just feel like we look a lot more attacking. Going, we just look a lot better side going forward when he's in there. He's our best attacking outlet as far as sort of the threat for goals. So, um, he comes back in, and I think maybe as harsh as it sounds, I think maybe it's a game that Colwell goes on the bench for and comes off, and sort of you've got a like for like replacing there with Turnbull. But I, I really enjoyed the way Turnbull played against Bristol. So I think he needs to stay in the squad. And it's, it's not going to hurt Colwell to have a rest and come, sort of come on to the pitch. I know it takes a bit for him to get involved. But yeah, uh, Grant. And yeah, O'Dowder, if he's fit, I think don't rush him though. I think he's going to be important for the rest of the season. If he's not quite ready, don't rush him. So yeah, but back that defensive line picks itself. Wilson Edsbrand, I thought was really, really good against Bristol again. Um, we look a lot more like confident balanced. going forward yeah it, it, balanced and confident yeah so he stays in the squad for me I think he could end up being a really really impressive loan signing again it's interesting a few months ago we were talking about Collins and you know he was about to trigger a new contract because of his appearances and all that kind of stuff that quite, talk's gone quiet really um, I like Jamalou Collins I'd like him to stick around because even if he's a backup left back he's better than anything we've got I think it has been years. It had, but they've not announced anything is what I'm talking about like usually they just they would at least say he's triggered his uh, um, extension. I just wonder. I just wonder there because Wilson Esbrand's been impressive 
I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud there, lads. Just thinking out loud. Um, Tom, obviously, Ipswich next Saturday, 12.30 kickoff. Um, you know, we can get the misery out of the way by mid-afternoon, all get on with our day. Is there any chance that we beat them? Yeah, of course there is. Um, we've shown that at the beginning of the season. We were two up against them. We should not have lost that game. We've got it in, you know, we've got a performance in us where we could test a team like that. We haven't shown it very often this season. But look, we've got a bit of momentum now and we get a result midweek as well. You know, it's just rocks. It's rocks in those situations. Then you know, be bouncing there. Like a bit of momentum is all it takes. And mm-hmm. you know, Ipswich will start to get a bit nervy as well coming into the end of the season. I think another three points before that game, we really are looking comfortable, and that's where we could potentially be dangerous going into the last part of the season, where we can you know loosen it a little bit. You know, throw caution to the wind a little bit more than we have. So anyone could beat anyone in this league. We've seen that with Leicester losing three in a row. So there's it's definitely not out of the question that we could beat Ipswich. Ben, do you agree? I don't think it's out of the question. I just don't think it's very likely. Um, they've got they've just got goal scorers, haven't they? I think if keeper doesn't yeah. pop pop up, but one Broadhead turns up or something, it's they just they seem like a very very good goal scoring team. And I think any team that scores against us, if they if they, if they can put the ball in the net early, I think they go on to quite a comfortable win. I think that's sort of the next big test for us is coming 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 back from behind and sort of winning the game. Uh, I think that's the real sort of, we'll see if the teams come along and sort of like the real big sort of development in the squad based off this recent form. Um, if we can do that, then happy days. But um, yeah, I, I'm not going to be upset if we don't win it. It's not one of those games I'm going to cry about too much. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, oh, you know, when you look at the the, the run into the rest of the season, it's it's one of those games that you can afford to kind of say, if we lose that one, we could pick up points elsewhere. I think, you you know, when it gets to looking at games in, in tranches and blocks, you kind of have to figure out an average points and they, they've probably gone, we'll probably get the average from that point, that, that game will be zero or one at best, yeah. uh, just because it's that good. Um, predictions then, Tom, um, how many points from the next two games? Four. Ben? Three. I'll go three and a half then. <laughs> don't know where the half's going to come from, but uh, I'm sure something will happen that will get us a half point. Um, and then, of course, is the Jacks. But obviously, we'll talk about that next week. Um, another derby coming down the line. That's it from everyone here at View from the Ninian. Thank you once again for listening to hopefully what was a positive podcast. Thank you to our sponsor. Um, thank you to Sports Social. Thank you to everyone who gets involved on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash VFTNinian. Um, go to viewfromninian.com um, for all the ways to contact us. Uh, if you like what we do and want to give us some money, kofi.com forward slash VFTNinian. Um, Tom, any last words? Just I'd love to make it four from four in derbies. So I'm just excited for the next couple of weeks now. Ben, anything to add? Uh, no, just enjoy watching Bristol suffer. Just make the most of it. Drink it in. Yeah, spot on. Drink it in, boys. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny. Sports Social Podcast Network.